0: 7 FM Arizona's sports station
1: 23 years in the National Football League and I can tell you this there is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander.
2: Guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar pills are coming to work.
1: He's going to outwork you every single play.
0: 15 year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo here. Alexander! Yeah, it
3: is Thursday. Zoe
1: is here. Wolf, you all right over there? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. My headset is busted. Okay. I
3: look over and Wolf's like not putting his headset on. It's like, is this a protest here? Uh, Zoe, Zoe is in the building. And Zo, we have not got to talk to you yet about uh, the craziness at the end of that uh, the Cardinals-Raiders game. But first of all,
2: yeah. how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Um Back in here again this week with you guys. Good week. I had the Xavier breakfast this morning, raising money for uh, kids to go to Xavier where my my daughter goes. Obviously, all girls school. Pretty epic. Sister Lynn and what she's done with Title IX girls sports. Uh, But then raising money for, because this is expensive. Yeah. Right. But giving, allowing access for uh, individuals that come from um, lower social economic and probably um, lower income families to be able to obviously have that experience as well so that was cool this morning and uh now i'm back over here like i said so i'm, I'm good doing well nice so we thought
3: you dressed up for the show but it was for an actual like, <laughs> yeah it was boss. a break
2: you know i normally i dress it down real <laughs> down when i come in here like i'm in the locker room so i try to get that feel going a little bit when i step into this building so when you think of what you saw in las vegas nevada so it what, was what's your thoughts it was exciting um i was actually in california I'm just sharing that to you and uh <laughs> offline a little bit i had just come off the golf course course met a couple of my high school buddies over at the local bar in, in Pleasanton I don't even know the name of it and was watching the game like a fan they're all Raiders fans and so oh, it was <laughs> thrilling you know up and down uh, just an epic uh, obviously comeback it was you know the oh, oh oh a couple of times throughout the game and so everybody really enjoyed it there were a couple of 49ers fans in there that didn't enjoy the ending quite so much but uh, really? overall it was an exciting experience and environment in the bar that we're in as we watched that epic comeback
3: you you know, we talked. We have been talking a lot this week about Kyler Murray and Byron Murphy and some of the other like the the big right. names out of that game. But as far as you know, you don't pull off a comeback like that if everybody's not pulling their weight. So right, yeah, yeah. Were some of the other guys that stood out to you?
2: And, and, and before we get into that part of it, I, I, I wanted to say say this. Um, I, and and I know they ran a lot of two back sets this week. Um, the Chargers, that are the um, uh, this week when we play the Rams they actually do some two back sets as well. <laughs> Can we please? hire a fullback and not have tight ends try to be lead blockers. <laughs> uh, they're, just not, they're just not lead blockers. <laughs>
1: you they're not know, lead blockers. Please, just get a fullback no. on the <laughs> roster. Okay, what, what are you talking about, though? Because I thought what Sean McVay did was one of the most genius things I've ever, yeah. I've ever seen because they got a kid, they got a kid who is a wide receiver Yeah, the wide receiver. He no. He'll <laughs> still yeah, I know. The yeah, I'm a, And
2: I'm going to put him right in the backfield <laughs> about three yards deep. Somebody needs to just lame out it just looks it looks so soft
1: yeah um, <laughs> and i did it I, I was i was actually impressed I was because the kid because he sticks stick. his face in there. He okay, does exactly I it. what he said. So we're talking about. Those. Yeah, we we're talking about. I don't want twenty to derail this segment.
2: We're talking about two different things. Kudos for him to be willing to get back there. <laughs> Obviously, he's he wants to do anything to be on the field.
3: Ben Skoranek because who we're yes, talking about. Yes, and, and exactly, put it, and he,
2: he will, th- and he will throw his face in there. But oh, I wish I was playing weak outside <laughs> linebacker right now, <laughs> and they wanted to the run league week, and they may even get me one time on the okie dog <laughs> after they run the lead, not sit him down. I know that's what they're setting up on whoever's gonna run up in there and want to sit him down a little bit. The Okie doke and it's like a pop pass to him. I get it. I get it. I just, I just don't. I just don't like it. it just looks soft yeah. to me when it, when the, yeah, the tight ends and the receivers back there. And they're running the goal. You have the goal? You have the goal. <laughs> yes. Is that what you're and telling I me? Mean, like, doesn't want to be blocked by right. a wide receiver. Right. Is I, that, that is a cardinal sin. My <laughs> coach, you just, if you ever, whether it's a crack toss, lead, he cuts you out. If he ever wins that down, you might as well just start walking to the sideline. They did it over
1: <laughs> and over and yes. over again against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they did. And they went, is that 11 or is it 21? Right. You, what are you going to count Skoranek as? Benson? what do you get a countermass? Uh, you got to count him as a fullback. Uh, tw- hey, listen,
2: they went out and they ran schemes. Yeah, they yeah, they yeah. ran 21 person right. schemes. And so, yeah, we'll, I know we'll get to that. But they're going to have a theme of the week. You know, when you think about Sean McVay, I don't. I, I, it may not look the same, but they're going to have some, some type of theme coming up this week, and they have to be ready for that and be ready for the adjustments because Sean McVay does an excellent job of making everything look the same, but it ends up being something I different in the way he schemes specifically for you. And obviously, he's done a great job over the years with the Cardinals, against the Cardinals in, in that vein. But yeah, I wanted to definitely point out, um, obviously, some other guys in this game. I think one of the guys that popped, and everybody's been talking about him, is just Pew, back in the lineup, and his physicality. And really, that series right before halftime, you can start seeing some of the dog mentality of him coming out of him, as far as just some of the double teams climbing up to the second level, finishing guys, is where I really thought the momentum, as far as, okay, we have have to do something started. It didn't manifest itself really completely until maybe the second drive in the second half, but it started right there before halftime. And then, man, this dude, Greg Dortch, um, <laughs> yeah. they, I mean, yeah. I, even when some of these other guys come back, he's earned the right to yeah, still man. be a part of whatever they got going Makes on. Place, he's, 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 he's the reason why they actually started. He started They got that first big catch, right? Had a, the touchdown catch, and then had another yes. big catch later in the third or fourth quarter. Oh, again, yeah. and set them up right Ooh. before, the. I think, the screen pass to Ertz, right? Mm-hmm. So he has been a vital uh, piece of this. I just really like what he's doing. And so those two guys uh, really, really popped for me. Um, I also thought Zach Allen had a really big time uh two plays in a row that really set him up to stay in the game he had a tackle for loss down the red zone and then the next play was able to get Carr off the spot pressuring hit him because somebody was open i think one of the linebackers had lost uh waller a little bit on a cross yeah uh he had ran like a seven on him had uh, like stemmed him in and then broke it back out for a seven forgot the linebacker that was guarding him and if if Carr had like a split second longer probably would have found him in the end zone for a touchdown which would have then kind of sealed the game and so those three guys I think really stepped up and did their part to get this team in a position to 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 win the game so it was kind of cool to see that and uh, obviously you know what Kyler did but just wanted to focus on some of those auxiliary guys that not gonna get the shine maybe didn't see it but I thought played a a significant role in 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 that Cardinals win yeah
3: absolutely we were just talking about before Kyler Murray has these games where he kind of goes off like that at the end but you don't typically win them because you need everybody else to be doing it too and they did uh, on Sunday when we come back Zoe's going to stick around what's next for the Suns following Robert Sarver's decision to sell the team the lowdown continues next it's the Wolf and Luke show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station Arizona
0: Sports Seen like this. lorenzo alexander 15 year nfl veteran and he is gonna get sacked lorenzo alexander the former cardinal the lowdown with wolf and luke brought to you by your valley chevy dealers see your valley chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup
3: So Alexander is here. It is the lowdown on the Wolf and Luke show. Of course, it is a Thursday, and we're just talking about this break, how, how how much has changed in the last week since Zoe was in here. Obviously, the Cardinals, it feels like they're in a much better place after just really one half of very good football. Uh, you know, the ASU stuff, and then, of course, the, uh, the Robert Sarver stuff, which really took off yesterday with the uh, announcement that he's going to sell the team. So, Zoe, I, I just want to start here with with this to get your uh, reaction to this. Um, one of the things that really stood out, and I don't think it was a surprise, but it, it did stand out, was the power that the players have. And you knew LeBron had power. Obviously, right. Chris Paul was going to have power. Brian Windhorst was on this morning, and he referenced how powerful Draymond Green, just talking about it on his own podcast, was. Um, that is, it's definitely evident in the NBA. Do you think it's at that same level in the other sports, or is the NBA just more conducive because there's not that many players for them having that much
2: power? Yeah, I mean, there's certain guys, it's, at least in the NFL, if they speak, it means something. that carry a lot of weight. You know, you think about any of the, the top-tier quarterbacks, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, yeah. Russ Wilson, right? You can go on and on as far as quarterbacks, and there's probably a handful of positional players that fall in that same, you know, Elkes. If, if they speak, um, things happen. Um, because a lot of those guys, you know, players make a significant amount more money these days to where they have relationships with the PayPal's, the Googles, the Amazons, right? And so they're actually in those spaces because they're investing and in doing these business deals because of this movement of more than or player and. And so I think there's a lot of guys, and so when those guys speak up, where they utilize, you know, Larry Fitzgerald being another one, right, right here in the Valley. When they utilize their platform and relationships for now being able to be a part of these discussions and in these rooms, things move. And we saw that obviously with PayPal, and I'm pretty sure there's probably other businesses and individuals that had conversations and things began to move and that's why he probably Robert Sarber ended up making this decision let me just say oh kind of get out of here get out of it get out of the limelight because as long as he was still going to be involved it was always going to be a story and he was never going to almost now you can kind of move away from it reinvent yourself you know he said he's been moving progress and change and what that means you know I, I don't quite know but at least you can now kind of hit the reset button from his personal perspective and then allow the organization to make a shift make a change and obviously leadership obviously i hope that this process as far as who they vet and approve to come in right is a is a diverse group um and well represented when i say diverse you know you have black ownership you have some some women in there you know you have a real diverse group of people because um, i think oftentimes we hear minority owner and we think minority means like they're minorities, yeah. but they're not. They yeah. just don't have a yeah. high percentage of money uh, invested in the organization. So hopefully whoever comes in and then they can move forward in a very um, um, collaborative effort and in, 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 in establish a new culture here in the, in the Valley that really represents what the NBA stands for and this community stands for.
1: So were you surprised that um, Robert Sarber agreed or made the announcement <laughs> to sell the team this quickly? After based,
2: I don't know him personally. Yeah. So based on what people have told me of, of who he is, yes. I mean, it happened. That is real quick. It's not even like I'm gonna try to hold off and try to right. fight for you know right. who I am and you know being a stubborn individual and also owners and people that normally make that type of money feel. And you can hear it in some of the things that he said. Well, that's this is not right. It's not fair. Um, and, and try to fight for something that he feels that is his because he bought his money in ownership, much more like a, a Daniel Snyder, right? More in that in that vein. I thought he might have le- uh, leaned versus moving on quickly and trying to Move move forward. So maybe that shows a little bit of self awareness, right, of the situation mm-hmm. and what this w- would end up for him a year later, what it would look like. Um, that he's able to, okay, let me just cut my ties, cut my loss well, it's not l- losses as far as ownership and power, yeah. not financial not losses, yeah. right? Um, and let me shift and move forward. And then maybe in a year he, you know, is somewhere else doing something different, but still can be in the space. But people kind of forget after, the, you know, with the news cycles. Yeah. People are already on to the to to the next thing, yeah. right? So it may work out for him from a PR perspective
3: yeah I mean it, it sort of seemed inevitable that, that the momentum was going to build to get to this point but not eight days
2: eight days is yeah it's, quick. Quick. it's was, quick it's quick it's yeah. quick to get guys to switch their minds especially when you feel like I, you know based on how he's worded things I, I agree but I don't agree yeah. right he you know when you yeah. feel like he was all on wrong. board with everything that was processing and really admitting or uh, owning up to the culture that he established wholeheartedly but maybe somebody talked to him that he really trusts, hey, man, this is where you're at. This is what it is. You need to move on. And, and, and obviously, when money's connected to that, that even speeds up the process as well.
1: You know what's amazing about this, too? You mentioned the culture right there. And it's so important. You know, a, a business culture, of course. Yeah. Yet every dad that is out there right now, every parent that is out there right now listening, you set the culture for your family, too. Mm -hmm. There is culture that exists on a family basis and a family level just as much as it does for a corporation. It reminds me, whenever something like this happens, though, this is just me personally, but it reminds me, what are you doing, Ron?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know
1: what I mean? It's a, it's a good no, it's reminder real. to us all.
2: And am I sitting on the sidelines to allow a culture like that? to occur, right? Because we, we're going to point the finger at Robert Sarver, right? But there's a lot of people that were in that room, a part of it, that had the power to speak out on it years ago and hold him accountable so it didn't become this, too. So, again, yes, what he did was absolutely wrong, but as individuals of a culture that we want to establish as a community, we can't allow individuals to do that, even though they may pay our our bills, so our checks, monitor, right? What's yeah. more what's more important to us? Because as a society, we're saying one thing is more important than the other, And so let's start acting like it as well in these environments. And obviously, collectively, you can make change. It's not like you got to step out by yourself because there's a lot of people that stepped out and said, hey, this isn't right. Let's not allow it to happen for, I don't know, 20 years. You know, yeah. let's step up and, and, years, and stop yeah. it, nip it in the bud before it even becomes an issue like this. Yeah, I mean, we were
3: talking about this yesterday. I don't know if you are somebody that was affected by this. If there was really any outcome that was going to make you feel better, right? No, but, but at least this is this is this is not. Hey, this guy's suspended for a year, but he'll be back in a year, like nothing happened, right? And so now this is at least this is something. Um, as far as the timing of it from the team's perspective, I have to think. You know, if if the players, if Chris Paul wants to talk about this on Monday, or if he was to talk about this in six months, he can. He's got his own platform. He can do it on right. Twitter. He doesn't need a microphone. But I have to think as a player, you're kind of you're, you're, you're glad it's getting taken care of before you even have to go out there and do media day next week.
2: Yeah, because you, you're going to talk about it on media day, yep. and then that's pretty much it because it's no longer a story. It's no longer, well, have you talked to Robert? How is he doing? You know, especially for those guys that have a relationship and he's still an ownership. You know, you don't have to constantly and, uh, you know, revisit that and what's going to happen. You know, it's it's over in that one day. You kind of move forward, and then um, hopefully the team is good, and then people really kind of just push it to the side.
1: Yeah, I was really excited for the players. I really was because now all of a sudden they can get on to the business of actually being professional basketball players. Right. All that distraction that is out there, of course. I was also excited for the coaches, yeah. Thinking, you know now all of a sudden, they don't have to worry about trying to frame everything up. For these players and, and, and try to frame it up so they can control how the players are thinking and where their focus is. They don't have to worry about that. They can just be coaches. I was thinking about to James Jones in particular, right? As a general manager doesn't have to worry about this right now going forward. Monty Williams, of course, right? Even the staffers that show up can actually focus on doing their jobs. I think this is a, this is a step into the future and that's the direction you wanted to go.
3: Especially for guys like James Jones and Monty Williams that not only do they have to prepare their players and be like, OK, look, I know you've, you're trying to focus on your actual like game, but you, this is how you got to answer this or handle this or be prepared for this. They had to answer the questions themselves. I mean, James Jones was I'm sure he probably will to your point. So still get asked about it on media day. But then now it it stops being a story that involves James Jones as much going forward. Uh, All right, Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Just how brilliant is Sean McVay? We're going to talk Cardinals-Rams next. The lowdown continues. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
1: 23 years in the National Football League, and I can tell you this. There is nobody that I admire and respect more than Lorenzo Alexander.
2: He's one of those guys, he's like a lunch bell guy. That blue collar
1: of pills are coming to work. He's going to outwork you every single play.
0: 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke to give us the lowdown on the Cardinals and the NFL. Brought to you by your Valley Chevy dealers. See your Valley Chevy dealers for the ultimate lineup. Oh, baby, what a hit by Lorenzo oh, Alexander. Baby.
3: Was here as we turn our attention to the L.A. Rams on Sunday. The Cardinals win over the Raiders, potentially a huge momentum boost, but now a thing of the past. And, uh, and Zo, I know most conversations with the Rams always start with Aaron Donald. Feel free to start there if you want.
2: But, <laughs> but beyond Aaron Donald, what do you think
3: when you look at the Rams?
2: I mean they're a good a good football team, especially when you look at their offensive, um their offensive scheme, right? When you think about Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, uh both running backs, Akers and Henderson do a really good job and then obviously it's all orchestrated by Sean McVay. And and, and let me not forget about Higby either. Uh just watching those. Those are the guys that really pop and that you have to be aware of when you're game planning for these guys. And so when I think about the Rams going against the Cardinals defense, I think about pre-snap shifts, and I think about pre-snap motions. Mm. Because even when I watched the Cardinals' defense this last couple of weeks, there's some hesitation in communication, um, especially when you get some motions and stuff. And so I'm going to confuse you before we even take a snap. And when the Cardinals have issues, and it goes back to even last year, it's when guys are are not in their gaps. And you do that by making guys think, making guys have to communicate before the ball is even snapped. Because if you just sit stagnant as an offense, and I know I'm in the A-gap as a linebacker, I'm staying in the A-gap and nothing else happens. I'm just run down here. I can be physical. um, uh, I can be fast, and I can make a lot of plays. And so that is still the Achilles heel in my mind to this Cardinals defense is is not being able to process and think fast and then get to the point of the contact where all 11 guys are doing it you know where it only takes one guy to be out no. of a gap and the running backs in this league is an especially Anderson and Akers, they're going to find that open gap. And so that's where I see, obviously, Sean McVay att- attacking. A lot of zone with that uh, zone, weak strong zone type of runs um, and allowing the running back to start one way and then cut back and find that open A or B gap where either a D tackle has gotten scooped by a guard and now he's out of his gap or a linebacker falls back. And when I say fall back, that means I maybe I had the B gap and I'm running to the left and all of a sudden I see a tight end and go back the other way and I go back too far I skip my gap and go back to somebody else's gap and then my gap is wide open and then a running back finds it and so those are the things I think about and then off of that play action you know the boot, the waggle, and then taking some shots downfield. Um, obviously with Cooper Cup, and then Higby when they do some high-low combinations where they use Cooper Cup as uh, the cheese. Where he said he, Cooper Cup sits down short, and Higby runs like a dig right right behind him. Everybody's worried about Cooper Cup, and then here's Higby with a a ten to twelve yard catch, right? And so those type of things are the things I see that they've been successful with. Um, especially last week, the, the first week versus the Bills, they had they had nothing at all, but last week they got into some
3: offensive rhythm. Throw that in there about not having nothing against the. Bills. Yeah, yeah, of course, right. of course, of course.
2: We know, you know, you know where my, my, my heart yeah, lies. Man, you know, I, I played. You know, the yeah. Momentarily,
1: all right. But you know, it's, it's amazing because when I hear you talking about the Arizona Cardinals defense, of course, matching up with the Rams offense, and I think of the Rams offense with the shifts and the speed motions, yep. and a lot of that stuff. I think of Zayvon Collins. Sorry, that's, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. who I think of. Right. I think of the eyes of Zayvon Collins and. In particular and yet Zaven Collins, I, I I don't know about you though. I think Zaven Collins for the first time since he showed up here, I think Zavin Collins the arc is pointing up. Yes, on Zaven, what do you see?
2: Yes, it's a it's a it's an incremental build, and that's great for him because last year was all helter skelter, and so he's had some consistently consistency of getting better week. To weak. And that's what you want to see for a young man that struggled, especially early in his career. Um, and so for me, when I watch him, his eyes are much better and he's getting to where he, he needs to get to. But it's a little... <laughs> right. There's a little... Full, it's, little yeah. it's a little like, let me come down. And you know when a guy he runs to something? Himself. Right. He doesn't trust it. He ends up in a spot, but he's right. like, should I be here versus I'm here? And with that, it causes him to be a little soft. And he's not a soft dude because I've seen him, when he's not thinking, come down and you know, slap <laughs> cats on the helmet right. and put guys going back. So I guess this, I'll and, I, and it's a trade-off, I'd rather him be where he needs to be versus um, not where he needs to be because when you're not where you're supposed to be, those are the big plays. So right now he's getting to a spot, and then he's making some splash plays within there. Um, And so – I expect, based on the trajectory, you know, week five and six, we'll start seeing him no longer kind of waddle down into his gap. It'll, he'll start sprinting down there and right. making be even more impactful and more physical because that's who he is as a as a player when he's not thinking.
3: Uh, this is uh, Sean McVeigh yesterday talking about Matthew Stafford, who has five interceptions in the first two games.
2: This guy's a great quarterback, Gary. I thought he had great command the other day. You know, there's so many different things that a quarterback is responsible for before the snap. And, you know, one of the things I've always been so impressed with with Matthew is that he's able to come off right after and he's able to articulate what he saw. It's not waiting until he's looking at the pictures. And he has an intent and a reason behind different things. And then we learn from it. It's no different than if I end up making a bad decision that wasn't in alignment with some of our process and our preparation. So when you're going up against,
3: let's say you're going up against Stafford. I mean, everybody knows what he is. He's been in the league for a while. He just won the Super Bowl last year. Won the Super Bowl last year having interception issues, but still obviously overcame him and won the Super Bowl. How are you defending against a guy like that?
2: Well, you know he's going to throw you a couple... As a defender, and so you got to be ready to take advantage of that. You know, I was just watching I, maybe the first half or so uh, right before we came on, and one of the interceptions last week versus the Falcons, um, his receiver had a one on one. So he's oh, I'm gonna throw this up, and the ball wasn't the best ball. Uh, his receiver had a shot on it and just couldn't get the, get the ball away from the defender. But it was it was a calculated throw you know we've seen him throw some real bad ones yeah but that one's like more like to what Sean McVay is saying like okay as a player I saw this let me give my guy a there's chance a It's a 101 50 50 ball he had Cooper Cup wide open out but he was like man I'm about to take this shot and as long as it happens early in the game for the most part I mean those things are recoverable especially when you have the type of defense they have and there's a reason behind it because it's always setting something else up because next time maybe he checks down to Cooper Cup and everybody's playing deep and and now Cooper catches it and runs you know. And it's a big play, so I'm okay when it's calculated like that. And that's what you got to be. So, but as a defender, you got to know it's coming. He's going. He's going to test you, and he's going to give you an opportunity to make a big play. You ha- and then you have to capitalize on it. Because if you don't, like we saw with the 49ers last year, they end up beating you, and then they win the championship. Yep. <laughs> so you have to. Cal- you have to um, capitalize on, on when that ball comes.
3: We saw it with the Cardinals last year when they beat him too. Byron Murphy capitalized.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, there's no doubt about that, man. How, how much momentum do you think? The Cardinals can take from that second half. I mean, are you a big momentum guy? Are you a guy that you think you can actually build? I think individually
2: you can. Yeah, collectively collectively, I I think. Anytime you win, you're excited. But if you are, if you are a leader and you've been around the block a little bit in that locker room, how you play matters. And does. And they didn't play well enough to win. And i say this. So we used to shine. Uh, McDermott used to put this board up and have four boxes. One was play good. Win. One was play bad and win. One was play bad, lose, play good, lose, right? Right. And you want to be in that play good area, win or lose most of the time. And obviously you always want to win because that's going to maximize your opportunities of actually winning games. The way they played last week is not sustainable, right? Kyler made a great play. They had a questionable holding call on that last play. You can't bake on that. You need to be lucky a little bit in this league to, to get to the championship. But for you to win games week in and week out, you have to play consistently good because the talent level is just too hard to Hope that Kyler can bail you out with his feet like he did last week and then obviously his arm on that last play to, to AJ Green, which was, was spectacular. Then the defense had to make a play in overtime for stretch form of us Hunter Hunter Renfro, who's one of the best players that typically doesn't happen, right? So just so much that had to happen. So yes, I'm excited. Yes, we got oof, oof, we got that. We stepped up when we needed to. But hey, let's look okay, why were we in this position from the first place? Right? We ha- they have to start better in their games and coming out. And so hopefully from from a coaching standpoint and a leadership standpoint, they weren't beating their chest because that wasn't a pretty game.
3: So you're, you're saying we can't count on those nine things going right no, at the end of the no, game. No, you cannot. Oh, the okay.
2: statistically of it happening is, is crazy. Uh I think and then and, and they were playing the Raiders who for some reason can't win a game when they when they have a
3: league. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, no, so, no. so yeah, you're not playing the Raiders next week either. So you cannot you can you the, the the how it felt to win, what you did to win, you need to carry those things over and start to the game with that.
3: All right, we come back. He went from being the starbacker and having all the responsibility on the field to not even really playing last week until late. What's up with Isaiah Simmons? What do we expect going forward? We're going to ask Zoe when we come back. The Lowdown continues. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.
0: Arizona Sports. 15-year NFL veteran Lorenzo Alexander joins Wolf and Luke. A guy who epitomizes class, integrity, and is a true gentleman. The Lowdown, brought to you by your Valley Chevy Dealers. See your Valley Chevy Dealers for the ultimate lineup.
3: All right, welcome back to the show. The uh, the two two players that seem to be talked about a lot on the uh, on the defense for the Cardinals, David Collins, who we already kind of touched on a little bit earlier, and uh, and of course Isaiah Simmons, who came into this season with all the responsibility in the world, and I'm assuming. More of that responsibility is going to come back. I'm trying to go full show without saying the phrase green dot and see yeah. if I'm able to do that. We <laughs> just a, said it. But aside from that, it doesn't count. Uh, aside from that, though, just all the responsibility he was going to have on the field this season anyway. Zoe, I don't know about you. I, I was surprised. I think it was two snaps in the first half against like. the Raiders. And then he comes out and makes a big play in overtime. I mean, he does have yeah. that big play capability. but uh, But where. Where are you on how they are using Isaiah Simmons I, right now?
2: I'm a little confused, All right. No, right? Me too. Um, because you give you give this guy a lot of praise, um, rightfully so, because I thought he was really developing in preseason and, and um, just grown as a player. His understanding, you know, obviously to be able to be moved around, but then to go from, I don't know how many plays they, or snaps, they took 60-plus in the first game to almost – Nothing or fifteen—that's a significant drop. Yeah. That goes from starter to like uh, you're kind of a role player, and we're going to put you in in certain situations, and that can really mess with a player's mm-hmm. confidence. And so you end up doing more harm than good. And I don't even know the reason behind it. And so I don't know if he just had a ton of mental, a ton of mental breaks, mm-hmm. breakdowns, and then was unapologetic about it. So hey, we're going to sit you down this week, but for you to take a player like that, give him a significant role, uh, and then he has some, some, some. Uh, I would say last week he had some physical and mental errors, right? That where he got beat, but then to sit him down completely versus just reducing what he, ha- what you have him do, and then allow him to go play fast and see what happens, I think can sometimes be a uh, a, uh, a disservice to the player long term because now, okay, where am I? I made that big one big play last week, so does, does that put me back in favor to now I can be out there because of that one play? where you can't work. It's about, do you trust him or not? And one play shouldn't say, oh, we trust you now, versus that first week where there were several plays where he made mistakes and so you sat him on the bench. So it'd be interesting to see how they do it this week, but you can't go back and forth with a player because you messed them up mentally and then they start thinking so much, and then it really neutralizes his talent and his skill level.
1: Yeah, where are you on the whole, you know, we're going to play
2: you in five
1: different positions.
2: Where are you on this? Um, If a guy can handle it, Cause I, that was my role. Um, then great, but I didn't do that in year. Two or three, right? I had to I had to grow into that type of player, and it really came out of me moving around, uh, maybe from game to game or season to season. And then when I built enough trust and and experience, then yeah, you can put me at four or five different positions within the game where I'm a D lineman, I'm a blitzing. Now I'm coming from the defensive line. I'm, I may play safety and in, in, in goal line or or short yarder situations, right? But I had all of these other experiences that. That I grew into that player versus a guy that really hasn't had any past experience, right? So you and I guess because he showed it, let's see if he can do it. But he can't. He hasn't been able to do it in the game, so let's scale back. But we still want you out there because he brings so much athleticism and can match up with a lot of different guys. So just keep it simple with him. Let him grow into the player that we we know he has the capability of being. But it has to be a process first. You can't just. Throw it all on him based on what he's shown.
3: This is why you're the one man gang on Twitter, right? Maloney just jumped in my air with that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that is why. Yeah. That is why, and that's just how my my career kind of you know took off where I was able to play those multiple multiple positions early you, in my career. You Felt like you were at home though first, right? You, you yeah, I was a like, so yeah. I mean, I guess I, I mean, And my story is a little different. I wasn't the first rounder, right? No, I right, was a right. I was a D tackle when I came out. And then, for me, my first couple of years, especially my i'll say my second year when I was with Washington. I had to take reps at a whole bunch of different spots as a look team, so I was sure. actually getting reps at different positions, doing a, just practicing them. And then that next year when I made the team, they felt comfortable putting me at tight end and guard, and then playing some D tackle, defensive end. Um, obviously, it's not as mentally straining as playing linebacker. Did you say guard, right? Yeah, I play Did a little guard go- But then also we gotta we gotta look at it, man. I, I'm also a cow guy, right? So I'm a smart football player too. You know, some of these other schools they just ask. Man, they just athletes and run oh around, man. You know, goodness.
1: I was supposed to be an engineer. I cannot even see you as a butt <laughs> you, dust. I, you, are you I was right three, yeah, me? I was three fifteen. Come on, man. I was <laughs> but still, you were at least three fifteen playing on the defensive side of the yeah, ball. Yeah, you know, I do a little, little thing, and, and I was off the field with a little
0: explosion. This mystery guest has lost eighty-five pounds since college, has bowled a high score of two hundred seventy, and owns a nineteen sixty-six Ford Mustang. He played five different positions in one NFL season and was voted at team captain six times. Okay, mystery guest, reveal yourself.
2: One man game, baby, and it was actually five positions in one game, not one season. What? So let's put this let's put this oh. thing together. And that's nah, but that's on. who I. It came, right? So and it takes a process to do that. And I'm I'm not mad at the coaches for trying it, but once you see a guy can't take that step because it's levels, right? College to the NFL. Can you play in the NFL? Okay. Uh, now how much can you do at the NFL level? Because some people can't only practice. They can compete in training camp and OTAs, but can't ever get to the field because that's another step. It speeds up. And so that processing of information doesn't equate to you being able to go out there and be a playmaker. And so I think – uh, Isaiah can be a playmaker. So we have to keep it simple first. He's not ready for all those roles because no. maybe it's just jumbling in his brain. I know he's a smart, intelligent kid. I wasn't saying I went to Cal like he's dumb, but I'm going to build up Cal. I just want to make just, sure he's a smart, yeah, he's a smart, intelligent guy, but to be able to carry all of that into a game is much different than practice or on the film. And when it's not live bullets coming at you and it really means something at that time. Um, um, and so I keep it simple, because he already has an issue of playing too fast because he's so athletic. He has to slow his mind down, slow things down and be in position versus trying to out athlete everybody and get there. And so he has to learn that first, and then you can start, hey, let's add a little bit here. Maybe week six or seven. You know, then add a little bit yeah, more. Doesn't it doesn't all have to be at once. It doesn't all have to be at once. And then maybe it's just a certain package for a certain game that he's doing something, right? And so he can cut all the other other stuff out and then just in this goal line scenario i'm playing safety or short yardage i'm playing safety i don't have to do it throughout the entire game from play to play it just comes up situationally which may be only three or four plays but then i have my home
3: this was cliff uh yesterday when asked what he has to do what isaiah has to do to play more
1: yeah we're gonna do whatever's best for the team i mean we were all excited about how he played and the progress he made and one of the biggest plays um of the game if not the biggest and and We felt like that was uh, attributed to the the great week of practice he had, and he had another good day today. So we're going to keep him him moving, and we we see what the ceiling can be, and we want to get him there.
3: So like the other part of what you were saying, that Chiefs game where, you know, look, Isaiah didn't have a good game. It's not like he it's not like the rest of the team played great and he (laughs) made three mistakes. The whole team had a horrible game with the exception of maybe like two or three players. So going back to what you were saying, what are you doing to his confidence if you're going to then sit him after that? I'm just trying to figure out if we're going to see like how much we're going to see him on Sunday against the Rams, because to me, to beat the Rams, you need his big playability.
2: You do. I mean, you just need his ability generally out there because he's a good football player. And so hopefully, like I said, they've simplified what his role is. Because he can't do multiple things as of right now. Simplify it. This is where you're going to line up. This is who you're going to be. And then allow him to grow and play in that space so we see incremental growth from week to week because of of who he is. His ceiling, like they said, is very high. So he's going to give you some plays like he did that last play. He runs. He's fast. Big. He's going to hit you. Um, But make it simple so you cut out all the thinking. Okay, am I safety this time? What's the rule for the safety? Because it may be a little bit different when I'm playing base linebacker, playing the same position. Mm -hmm. All those little things slow you down. And the game is happening split seconds, yeah, it's right? Not it's not, it's not right. Yet. Right. Everybody else knows what they're doing, yeah. and so <laughs> those are some of the things that you know. I thought it was a great. If he's shown, he can do it. Let him do it. The only thing I was worried about was like eyes and thinking about when you switch positions because it is slightly different, and obviously that was. Holding him back a little bit. So keep it simple. Put him back out there and allow him to grow because he's going to make plays just by being out there because of the yeah. type of athlete he is. Yeah,
1: that, And that to me, that is what I wanted to see from Isaiah Simmons. You know, I've talked an awful yeah. lot about this. I wanted to see Isaiah Simmons, wherever he is, wherever he's lined up, whatever position you want to count him as, make plays that change games. And that's exactly what he did right. he changed the game make a difference in the game he, he actually game. was he was mugging that that backside a gap at the beginning of that play. They were actually playing a little blitz ball with Zavin and Isaiah Simmons as well in the a gaps. he was mugging that and then actually ran out and made that play yeah. got himself in position to make a play and then made the play that totally won the game for the Cardinals man that. That's what I want to see more of, and Byron Murphy too. By the way, if you go back and you look at the tape, it's one of the oh, cool things yeah. about watching tape. Watch him run to get over there, man. He's, yeah. on, he's on the other side of the field, and he's sprinting to get over there, rally to the ball, run to the yeah. ball. You got Adam Sharks out there flying around, and there were three Cardinals around. Yeah,
2: that and they, yeah, and picking up the ball, and that's why I was there. Now you talk about running. Did you see a Dub on the sideline showing that yeah. he like can still <laughs> run a little bit? Huh. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, I wish I had his number. I need to text him. I said, <laughs> man, you <laughs> He to the ball, baby. We had to remind him <laughs> to
3: make sure that was him. Because I was like, I've never seen him that animated unless he's playing. Right? Yeah. He, right. yeah. it he got like
1: stuff. Steve hey, he try he's to try to do something. Nah. <laughs> no, man. I'll just shoot the fist into <laughs> the air. That way they don't do that,
3: man. Zo, great stuff, man. It's always good to have
1: you in here. Always. Thank, Thank you, bro. Yeah, love you, dude.
3: Lorenzo Alexander joining us for the Lowdown, as he does every Thursday. When we come back, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down your lunch. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.